Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim Elmore, and I am the senior pastor of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario. And I'm Marshall Morton, and I'm the associate pastor, as I've been reminded recently on Sundays, put in my place <laughs> from the from the pulpit even. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, no, I am the associate pastor at Memorial Baptist Church. You know, I had no idea where you were going with that. When you first started off, it was like maybe you were asking me. Am I if still? That was still a thing? Did I did I or, lose my job? Yeah, that was that was a sort of slow into it. There, I was <laughs> I was confused. As like, did is he about to sneeze? What's happening? That's right. Yeah, seriously. All right. So today mm-hmm. we begin Deuteronomy. Yeah, yeah. It, I, and I want to say this: when we begin new books of the Bible, uh, our church has right now media. Uh, so these are all on Right Now Media, uh, but if you don't have Right Now Media, you can also go to YouTube, and there's a group called The Bible Project. Yeah. The Bible Project does some fantastic, fantastic work on the books of the Bible. Yeah, they and, do. And letting you know what that book of the Bible is roughly about, giving you a walkthrough and, and how it's divided up into its various chapters and that sort of thing. They do a really great job, uh, yeah. usually just a couple of minutes. Uh, it's not like a 30 minute commitment or anything nope. like that. We're looking, uh, what are they like generally five seven, to, to, five to minutes, 10? Yeah. yeah at the most. Something like that. We don't have no idea. That's, that's what we just proved. <laughs> uh, but, but they are, they are pretty short, uh, but they are full of great information and great yeah. animation. Oh yeah. Really well done. Yeah. Honestly, like good for, for the whole family. I know that, you know, it's a resource that's been used, uh, for youth ministry in the past, but honestly, I mean, I am edified and educated by yeah it. I, I don't think there's anything about them that's particularly youth no no i'm yeah. just mean like it's except like it's there there's an element of it that just because it's so visually appealing and engaging that kind of mm-hmm. just draws people in from kind of any age bracket so yeah, yeah. highly recommend bible project yeah and if you want to see all of it in a book you can go to eric yeah eric yeah eric, eric has the book eric won the the, the actual printed version of it all at uh, the big tgc conference last year yeah he was, he was pretty pumped about because that because he's eric so today we're starting Deuteronomy, and and we're almost going to complete it. We're going to do twenty four of the thirty four chapters. Yeah. Uh, in this week's reading, uh, so Deuteronomy one through twenty four. We mm. begin with the forest. I'm going to let you go first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for the forest, um, you know, some of the things, some of the themes that come out of the text uh, as I was reading De- Deuteronomy was uh, one of them was just the idea of loving God. Like God, as he is speaking to his people, um, he isn't simply just kind of demanding obedience. He wants their affection. He wants his people to love him. Um, he wants that kind of that heart relationship with his people. Um, the whole idea of, of this loving relationship with God, this is not a, a new Testament construct. This is something that God intended in his relationship with humanity from the the very beginning so that you know we see this idea of like you shall love the lord your god um repeated multiple times throughout uh, this week's reading so yeah that's one of the things that really uh was meaningful for me mm-hmm. any other forced element uh, also the idea of remembrance so god is repeatedly um telling his people to remember what it is he has done for them 
right? And that, that remembering is going to be a useful tool in their remaining obedient to the covenant, right? As mm-hmm. they reflect on the things that he has done, how he has already been faithful, how he has already provided for their needs, how he has already freed them from slavery, um, remembering that is going to fuel their, um, their affection uh, for him and, and their obedience to the covenant um, in the days to come. So remembrance is a, is a major theme, I think, Yeah, as well. I think we'll, when we get to chapter 9, we'll see the issue of remembrance yeah. uh, coming up again. Remember who got you here Yeah, uh, and, and why things are going the way that they're, as well as they should be going, although they never go that well in fruition. Right. <laughs> um, I, for me, the, uh, the overarching thing that I, that I find inside of this week's reading is just that all of this matters. Right. Like sometimes we find ourselves in this place in the modern church where we say, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian and that's an element about me. Uh, But we're also pretty quick to to just sort of categorize that. Mm. Right. And it can become something we do in the morning in the prayer closet and on a Sunday. Uh, But outside of that, it's it's not really present. Right. Um. And we, we oftentimes will dismiss, well, yeah, but, you know, God, surely God understands. Uh, and and, and we, we, play, we play down our faith and we play down the person and the mm. plan of God in such a way as to say, I'm not sure that it really matters. Right. And, and all of Deuteronomy is a reminder, no, it really does matter. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, this is, this is the redemptive story of what God is doing in and through his people. And so to neglect that would be to obviously to their detriment, but also to ours. Yeah. Um, yeah and, do, and, and like you said, in and through his people. Yeah. In and through his people. Branding. Right. Branding. Hashtag, Branding 101 right there. Hashtag memorial. Yeah. 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 All right. So, so getting into the, uh, the trees, looking at the individual chapters, the events mm-hmm. that are going to take place that form uh, this force we've just been talking about. Uh, I think readers... Uh, this is one of those things where you, it now we can let you know, but we can't let you know beforehand. Some of you have been reading through Leviticus and Numbers, and you've just been really battling through it. Mm. Uh, the the history of how all of this is unfolding, the laws and and all the specificity inside of the law, uh, being being grinded out to the nth degree, and then you get to Deuteronomy and you realize Deuteronomy the word means a renewal of the law, a retelling of the law or a second law, uh, not second in that it is a bonus law, mm. but second is that is the second statement of the law. Yeah. And, and at some point, uh, people are going to open up Deuteronomy and they're going to think, haven't we already done this? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and maybe, maybe even, oh no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then, and then as you read it, you realize that in just the few chapters of Deuteronomy, all of the law and the history is summed up. Yep. And it's sort of a Coles Notes version. Sure. Yeah. That's one way of putting and, it. Uh, and, and so if we, if we see that, we, then we're glad we read through the longer form at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And now Moses, here, what is happening here is Moses is preparing them to go into. So, so uh, as, as the study Bible here says, uh, all of Numbers took place over the course of 40 years, mm-hmm. the wandering in the desert, but Deuteronomy is just a couple days. Yeah, These are three speeches given by Moses 
uh, in such a way as to say, here we are, today's the day, Yeah, and you're going in. Uh, so it's very short form, uh, retelling of the law and the history, yep. just to be a reminder. And I, I think there's something in that that's, that's really emotional for me as a pastor and as a father, mm. because he has been working with these people for so long, mm. and they've gone through so many different things, so many uh, ups and downs and, and more downs, mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe a slide up and then another down. And, and he's, walked, he's walked with them through so many things, and he knows for a fact. Everyone here knows he's not entering into the promised land. Yeah. They know that they're on the banks of the Jordan getting ready to enter into the promised land. They know this is where Moses is going to have to leave them. Mm-hmm. He knows that these people that he has carried through all of this are going to be going out now on their own. Right. And there's, there's some level of... of emotion inside of that. I, I don't want to impute on Moses what his emotions were because mm-hmm. it doesn't just come out and tell us. Sure. But I could see myself being a little bit fearful for them. Right? You know, I'm I know, right? I, I know how quickly you're led astray. And here you go off on your own. I'm not there to sort of call you back. Right. I'm not there to intercede between you and God, sure. as I have done a number of times, what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. So there's probably a little bit of fear mm-hmm. uh, for him in, in being that, the sort of like the way the, the parent at a wedding or leaving their kids at college, those kinds of things can happen. Uh, and, and at the same time, maybe there's there's this bit of angst on his part, if only I hadn't hit the rock with my stick. What a <laughs> right. stupid thing for me to sure. have done. And and now you guys are stepping into the promise, and I'm going to miss the promise, and I wonder what it could have been like. Mm-hmm. I, I just find this as a very emotional set of speeches. Deuteronomy, to me, uh, when I read Moses's words, knowing the scenario, I, I just I feel it's an emotionally driven book. Yeah. Yeah, I had a prof who referred to Deuteronomy as Moses's swan song. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right? what it is. That's kind of what how he how he kind of pictured it, right? So yeah, so there's the, there's the retelling of uh, some of the rebellions yep. in in the first couple of chapters, the retelling mm-hmm. of how it is they've been brought to the place where they are, mm-hmm. uh, and and the restatement then that Moses is going to be staying behind, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So so a lot of this is just recapping things that we've already read in in sort of a condensed version, and then in in chapter four Moses starts urging them to obedience. Yeah, yeah. He says, take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that you have seen. And then goes on to tell it to their children and to their grandchildren, right? But it is, it's so important that you, you take this journey while remembering where you've come from. Like as God is taking you into this new chapter of the history of this nation, don't forget what's come before, right? Right, yeah. I mean, he's not restating the history because there's about to be a quiz. Right, sure. Right? He's restating the history because he's saying there are going to be times when you will need to fall back on this, and you'll Mm -hmm. need to look back and say, no, here is our Ebenezer. Thus far the Lord has carried me, and he will continue. Yeah. Right? God has a promise and a purpose that he has fulfilled to this point. Mm -hmm. Those who have failed him or rebelled against him, have been left behind, stay with the program, Mm -hmm. trust the process, trust God in this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that is why there is the retelling, and Moses says, you need to remember these things, Mm -hmm. not because 
not just because of what has happened, but what is about to happen. Because right. of what is about to happen, you need to remember what has happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then so in the following chapters, you know, the Ten Commandments are repeated, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and, and I love this. There's this little bit in, uh, in Deuteronomy 5 where uh, Moses is kind of reminding the people. He's like, look, you guys, are, you guys are special. You are unique. Who has heard God speak and still lived but the nation of Israel? Right. Right? Like, like God has set you apart. And we're going to get more into that. And obviously that's just a recurring theme throughout, you know, the entire Pentateuch. But this whole idea of like, God has given you this, like understand how fortunate and how blessed you are um, to, to actually receive this directly from God um, and, and, and remember that and, and let that, let that help you walk in such a way that is worthy of what you've been given. Right. Right. And, and that all culminates in chapter six. Chapter six is for the Jewish faith, and and I would argue because of our being grafted in, right. uh, I would argue that we are uh, brought into this where for all of the law, everything that we've read this thus far, it culminates into chapter six, and what is to this day for the Jews the most important passage of scripture in in all of the Torah, mm-hmm. and when Jesus is asked, what is the most important thing that we should take? From all of Scripture, Jesus says you can summarize everything mm-hmm. using chapter six of Deuteronomy. Yeah, right. And so, chapter six, starting in verse four, this is called the Shema because the word for here in Hebrew uh, is is just Shema. And mm-hmm. so it it calls people to listen. And as a reminder, it says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as signs on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Mm. The, thing, the thing inside of this that really gets me is, is just how integrated the person of God is and, and, and our faith in that God into everything that we do. Yeah. Yeah. When you wake is, up in the morning, this is what you're talking about. Yep. When you're leaving the house, this is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. When you're coming home, or while you're out, this is what you're talking about. When you come home, this is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, you're wearing the Christian wear shirts, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> You've got the pictures hanging up in your house. Yep. All of these things covered inside of the Shema, right? Mm-hmm. This is just who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of... This is what David is talking about when he talks about meditating on the law mm-hmm. day and night, right? Like this is this is the lifestyle of of the believer is like the, the, the things that you know of God, the things that he has done for you and has called you to do are just infused into every single part of your life. It's a life saturated. Yeah. Just yeah. saturated 
in the person of God. Yeah, it's not an ex- just simply this external standard that, you know, you look to or, you know, you use as a measuring stick when, when you know, dealing with court cases or how you're going to, you know, what sacrifice you need to offer. This is, this is something that just affects you deeply, affects mm-hmm. how your family operates, affects how you do business, affects how you interact with other people. Um, so, yeah, this is, it's, uh, there's a reason why this is such a central um, and important passage um, for uh, not only for the Jewish people, but it should be for us as well. Yeah, yeah, and so and so it is. And when he talks about loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, uh, soul, and mind, or, or might, now there are going to be times, even in in chapter six, it gets restated again, mm-hmm. where it's not restated exactly in those ways. the mm-hmm. the, the purpose of it is not to say you know you are a heart and a soul and you have physical strength and mm-hmm. and and that we're supposed to. Uh, break this down into the different components. What are the three things mentioned here, and how right. do we love God? And right. what he's what he's doing in this is he's giving a sort of general list that is going to make a superlative statement. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a basic list that's going to be all encompassing. Yeah, it, it's everything. You right. love God with everything that you have and everything that you are. Full stop. Right, and and this is very different. Like this is an entire paradigm shift. We, we don't have enough time in this episode to get into this, but I'm going to tease it just a little bit here and say this. I grew up, and I think most people operate under a, a false concept of what it means to be a worshiper of God. Hmm. That is a concept of Christian priority, right? where we say the most important thing in my life is God. Mm-hmm. And we would all attest to that. Sure, God is the most important thing. Does that mean that he constitutes the majority of my time or my affections or my well, it means that I put him up there, and after God comes family, and then after that, it depends on whether how much you like your friends or your job, and <laughs> and it starts sort of falling apart after that. But that is Christian priority: right. God, family, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is a different thing. I think a way to understand what the Bible is teaching us here is to put it into a pie chart. Mm. So we draw our big circle. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have the different wedges for those things that we are going to divide up our affections and our personage for. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to start with is God. Mm-hmm. And so we love the Lord our God with all of our everything. Mm-hmm. So we fill that one in. Yeah. And there is nothing left. Right. There is nothing left for family. There's nothing mm-hmm. left for our work. There's nothing left for our friends. Mm. We love God with all that we are. Yeah. Yeah, my love for my wife mm-hmm. doesn't show up on the chart, mm-hmm. but I love her because of my love for God, mm-hmm. and the love that I have for her is worship to God. Right, that I would love her as He has called me to love her, in such a way as to show the world the gospel. Mm-hmm. Ephesians five. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, those things, those other things, fall within what constitutes the love of God. Right, so the, but the love, love of God is all encompassing. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just mean yes, mm-hmm. of course, yeah. But I, I just mean like it, we, we. I just want to clarify because some people might think that we're telling them not to like love their kids. No, no. There's nothing <laughs> inside this is neglected because the scripture very clearly tells me to love my children so yeah. that they understand what it means to be loved by God. Yeah, yeah. Loving your neighbor as yourself is flows from that love for God, right? So. So, but it, that has to be the source, right? And I, I like what you said that it's not simply just a place of priority because, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I was kind of taught growing up, like what comes first. But, but 
he's first and last, if, right. if I can pull that in. Yeah, and he's telling us that he's not just first, he's everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then it doesn't cause other things to be neglected. Mm -hmm. uh, it just means that my love for them is not shared with my love for God, mm -hmm. uh, but it flows from my love for God uh, as, as an overflow and as an expression of my love for God. So my love for my children is worship to God. Mm -hmm. And so I love them in such a way as to be worshiping God. Yeah. I, we're only on chapter six. We'll keep moving. And we got 10 minutes. We're, we're good. We're good. Let's yeah. move on. Move on. Okay. All right. Seven and eight. Uh, God remembering or God uh, establishing his covenant with his people. They are chosen people. They are to remember that. They're to remember the Lord, their God, not to forget him lest they fall into idol worship and he destroy them. They have been a people set apart. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and in that people set apart, we get into chapter nine mm -hmm. where he reminds them in verse four, when you receive my plan mm -hmm. and my promise, when the nations before you are crumbling and you are taking control of the land, do not say mm. that this is because of your strength. Yep. Do not say because it is of my righteousness. It is. God said, God says, it is my righteousness mm -hmm. that has brought you here and set mm -hmm. you apart, mm -hmm. not your own. Yeah. It's, it's his grace. It's him. It's, it's all been given to us graciously by him. So even for example, I mean, let's, let's bring this, let's bring this to our more immediate context. Let's, 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 let's look at, you know, situations where maybe in our families or in our church, you know, we've been walking in obedience with God and perhaps, you know, he has been so gracious as to bless us through that obedience to some degree, right? Perhaps, you know, the church is growing and thriving and healthy. Um, or perhaps, you know, my family is well taken care of and, and we've, you know, we've been good stewards with the resources that God has given us. Don't say, oh, it's because I'm so good. Right. We did this and we did this and yeah. we've got a really talented yeah. staff or, yeah, oh, no. or a really, you know, we have a, a very generous congregation. No, mm -hmm. God has... Mm -hmm. provided yeah and he has brought this to be yeah because we understand even in our obedience that is fueled by god's grace so even when we do the thing god calls us to do he's the one who's empowered us to be able to do those things mm -hmm. so it never if we trace back the the root cause for all of these blessings that we enjoy it doesn't end with us like it doesn't we don't bring it back to ourselves we bring it back to to god who has brought us to new life yeah, and you know, there's there's a bit of a well-earned reputation within the church that's unfortunate that Christians sometimes see themselves as better than everyone else. They mm -hmm. look down on other people. They mm -hmm. see themselves as the holy, and and other people are are sinful and that sort of thing. And and you know, because I am you know loved by God and and that sort of thing. But but really, our relationship with God is not reason for pride. Mm. In fact, it's one hundred percent reason for humility. Mm -hmm. Because in the same way, when we receive salvation, the imputation of Christ's righteousness in my life, the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, do not say it is because of my righteousness, mm -hmm. but the righteousness of God yeah. that has brought me to this place. Oh, yeah. So my place with God and whatever whatever fruit or benefit that comes from that, it is it is wrong for me to claim anything other than the grace and the mercy of God in that. And rather than becoming arrogant, I should be above all people humbled. Yeah. 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 And Moses humbles his listeners because immediately after this, he just retells the story of the golden calf. 
Like, right. Hey, hey remember yeah. that time? <laughs> right. Right. Don't so, do this like you did last time. Yeah. Yeah. Because we haven't forgotten. <laughs> and and then yeah, there. Then there's some some sort of uh, some more retelling. It leads up into mm-hmm. 13. I want to stop really quickly at sure. 13 and just say that that 13 is a difficult place mm. because inside of this there's the talk of idolatry and the mm-hmm. talk of being dragged astray and the worship of false gods, mm-hmm. and and this is something that can happen uh, even inside of the the modern church. This happens where people come in and they say, Hey, you know what? I, we understand what the Bible says and, you know, whatever happened in our small group, whatever. But, but hey, what about maybe it's not really that big of a deal. And maybe we start bringing into our conversations some liberal viewpoints that say maybe the Bible isn't really the be-all and end-all authority. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there are other ways to please God. Or, or maybe there are, and we want to add to or bring in and with it, maybe there comes some evidence from, you know, other religions or, or whatever that just sort of say, hey, we're not abandoning this whole thing, but let's just tiptoe into this. Mm-hmm. And what do we as a church do? Mm-hmm. Well, this is what Israel was to do. Mm-hmm. In here, Israel, uh, God tells them, it doesn't matter who it is that brings it to you. The, the line that really gets me, he talks about family, mm-hmm. uh, but then he, he talks about even if you have a friend who is as your own soul yeah. that comes to you secretly mm-hmm. and says, let's go and worship the gods of the people who were here before us or explore worshiping the gods of the people who are near us. Mm-hmm. Put them to death. Mm-hmm. Let your hand be the first to come against them. Yeah, And, and, and I don't think that this is just rage no i i think i think inside of this there is also the prevention of that person falling astray Mm -hmm. this person was just about to become apostate Mm. to the god who has delivered them and it is better that they would die Mm -hmm. than that they would fall into the worship of these other gods that Mm -hmm. they're curious about Mm. and and there is something that is corrective to the whole of israel in that israel looks and says we do not do this. Yep. And we take very seriously the worship of our one true God. Mm-hmm. But then there is also something that is preventative inside of this for that individual that says, I am going to stop at no end to bring to an end your curiosity of what it means to stray from God. Yeah. Now, that does not mean that a new form of church discipline <laughs> is to take those people who might explore this sort of thing out back. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no. But it is to say church discipline does matter in this way, right? Mm-hmm. When, we, when we have people who come in and say, I'm going to do something that is contrary to Scripture and teach it as if it were Scripture, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm going to practice this worship that is not of God to say to them, listen, we do not stand for that here. Mm-hmm. And as a protection for the flock, mm-hmm. and as a means of calling you back to truth, mm-hmm. we are going to take some serious action, mm-hmm. even if it hurts. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just heavy stuff. <laughs> you wanted you wanted to park at tithing, chapter uh, 14. I just wanted to make mention of tithing. So t- tithing, kind of the language around tithing in our, you know, in our modern context is like, you know, 10%. Off the top, you know, some people fight over whether it's net or gross, whatever. Um, but that's what you have to do. That's the box that you have to check to keep God happy in your giving. Um, and I think sometimes we forget, like, tithing didn't look like that, right? So chapter 14, this is this is about 
people taking a tenth of the harvest from their field and bringing that to the place of worship. Right now, if they couldn't do that, right, because we understand that, you know, we're no longer in an agrarian culture, but even in, in, in their, you know, in their uh, context, if they couldn't bring the crops, they would convert it into money and then essentially throw a party. Yeah. And they would invite the Levites. So, right. So if you want to be Old Testament, you know, tithing, then throw fancy parties and make sure you invite Tim and I because... Uh, Right. <laughs> yeah. Because why not? Because why not? Right. Right. And so so I think I think what we have to understand is that tithing and giving to the church are different things. Yes. Uh, in so much as uh, giving to the church is the way that we maintain the ministries of the church, mm-hmm. uh, the building, the staff, mm-hmm. uh, the missionaries that we support, the various ministries that we support. It is a means of bringing about a physical means of bringing about the spiritual work. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Tithing in the Old Testament was because the Levites were so busy doing the work of the temple. Mm. You know, making the sacrifices, bringing the prayers, all of this that is inside of the law uh, that is so comprehensive that they as a people don't have opportunity to go out and work. Right. And the tithe was there to make sure the Levites ate. Right. Yeah. Right. It was a means of everyone of the other 11 tribes making sure this tribe who was serving them didn't go hungry. Yeah. And, and maybe there's some crossover between that and church staff. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but that is not the extent of what it is, the reason why we give to the church. Yeah, no. There are there are other things that go on with that money, mm-hmm. right? The, the money given to the church doesn't just feed my family. Mm-hmm. It also uh, sends money to missionaries. It keeps the lights on. It mm-hmm. keeps the food freezer uh, available for those people in the community that need to come grab a meal. Yep. Uh, all those, all those various things are done through mm-hmm, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So same, but different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, so p- some people might say, well, are you saying that I shouldn't be giving 10%? I mean, you have to follow the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I think, you know, I think for a lot of people, particularly those who maybe aren't accustomed to giving sacrificially, maybe that is a good number to start with. Maybe that is a good place, but you have, it's ultimately it's up to the Holy spirit to convict because you have to give out of joy, not out of compulsion, not give as of, an act of worship. Yeah. Yeah. Give as an act of worship, right? It's, it is not, it is not saying I checked that box so I can pat myself on the back and say, I was, I'm a good Christian boy or good Christian girl. It's about giving sacrificially and giving out of worship. And, and I would even play a semantic game and say, it's not necessarily giving, uh, but it's contributing. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Financially contributing to what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not just giving to another entity. Yeah. Right. Well, there was a there was a quote. I'm stealing this uh, analogy from Matt Chandler, and I know we're we're going over time. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, Vicky's going to be yeah. mad again. Well, this is well. the third episode in a row we've had to apologize to so, Vicky. So C.S. Lewis C.S. Lewis used this analogy of of a very rich man, right? Um, or our grandfather rather, who um, who gives a sixpence coin to his grandson. And the child goes out and takes the coin and buys him a gift and then gives it back to the grandfather. And the grandfather is is no is sixpence none the richer, which is where that Christian band got their name from. And the whole idea is like it all belongs to God anyways. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're not like we're not making God more wealthy uh, in our giving. We're just simply giving back to him what is already his. My mom has a little penny bank of a clown. 
on a sailboat that I gave her for her birthday. And I found it in the, in the dollar store, and I ran back, borrowed whatever money I needed to go <laughs> back and buy that, and came back and gave it to her. Um, and she has it to this day. Oh, man. Hi, Mom. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> All right, so after that, we have uh, more, some more sort of retellings. Uh, then we have this really interesting thing that happens in 1714. In 1714, mm. we have laws concerning Israel's kings. Yeah. Interestingly enough, there are no kings in Israel. The law doesn't allow for kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's Moses doing here? He's essentially saying, look, I know I've told you not to have a king, but you guys, like, I, he's all, he already knows. Like, he's, he's prophetic in the sense that he knows that th- the day will come when Israel will just push and push and push, and they will get their king. Yeah. You know, even though that is not the original design or the intent, um, right? The, the intent is that God would be their king and that, you know, through the priesthood and judges that they would manage their, their society. But there will come a day when there is a king. Would you, would you say that this is a similar to the allowance for divorce? Divorce isn't the plan, right. but because of the hardness of your hearts, yeah, I think that's I'm going good... to provide parameters mm. so that when it does inevitably happen, although it is against my will, when it does inevitably happen, we understand how to manage this and what's expected of everyone mm. and how to do this and this broken thing in the healthiest way possible. Yeah, I think that's actually, I think that's a great, that's a great comparison. Well, thanks. So, so the, uh, <laughs> these commands for the king, what, what, what I find interesting is that the direction that is given for the king, he is not to accumulate horses. He is not to accumulate many wives and he's not to accumulate much gold and silver. So basically he took a picture of Solomon yeah. and said, don't do this. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. And the other thing, the thing that's, I think, the most interesting is the idea that the king is to write down a copy of the law that is approved by uh, by the Levites and then study it daily. So in his own hand, yeah, he is going to copy everything that we've read to this point. Yep. So that he himself is intimately familiar with the command of God, mm-hmm. particularly even the one that talks about not having kings. <laughs> Interestingly enough, yeah. And and in that, when he studies it daily, he is studying the Word of God in his own handwritten mm. text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the, the reason that he is to do this is so that he might, first and foremost, fear the Lord, and secondly, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, that he might understand, even though he holds this position of being a king, he is no better than his brethren. He is still under the authority of God, still held to obedience to the law, um, still in need of God's grace. Yeah, and, and his primary characteristic, his primary purpose in this is not to be a politician, yep. but to be a theologian, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, that, is, that is what it means to lead God's people. Uh, be a theologian and... God will supply you with what you need for the rest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of after this uh, are retellings of the law, restatements of the law. Yeah, the ESV finds itself even naming sections like various laws or miscellaneous <laughs> laws. They, yeah. it's almost like they took a thesaurus <laughs> yep. and said this whole section is just sort of a retelling of different laws. What are we going to call it? I don't know. How many words for various miscellaneous other <laughs> kind of things can we come up with? Uh, so that's kind of that's kind of how this section ends out. It does. Yeah. Highlights. 
highlights. Highlight for me, I think one of the things uh, in the early chapters, uh, chapter four and chapter six in particular, the idea of of teaching your children and grandchildren is is just so important and and it's emphasized so heavily that the this people of God are to take this law and teach it to their little ones, right? That that it would be just an integral part of how they raise the next generation that they would that they would instruct them diligently in the word of God. And I think that's something that um, was was central to their to that society. Um, and it ought to be central to how the church does things as well. And, you know, I'm speaking as someone who, you know, works with with youth, uh, you know, I've worked with kids, done camp ministry in the past. And that is fantastic. I've enjoyed doing that. There's certainly a place for for specific people um, with a specific skill set to, you know, run a youth group, run a Bible study, run a, you know, help with um, children's programming. But primarily the instruction of children ought to happen in the home by their parents or in some cases grandparents. That that is the model. That is the emphasis. That is what needs to happen. Um, it's not something we delegate to the professionals. It's something that the quote unquote professionals can assist us in, in equipping us and in providing maybe additional insight to those children. But mm-hmm. the responsibility primarily lies with mom and dad or grandma and granddad. And if you don't have children of your own, nieces, nephews, wh- whoever you can uh, find that you can instruct um so that this continues. Yeah, and, and there are great resources for this. If you if you hear this and you think, well, I thought I was doing that in making sure my kid grew up in church. Yeah. That is that is a good thing. But what we're not trying to do is teach them to be churchgoers. Yeah. We're trying to teach them to be Christ followers. Mm-hmm. And so you need to be actively discipling them and teaching them. And if you want help with that, uh, I've got all I've got stacks of resources that mm-hmm. I can point you toward. Uh, the number one resource I would point you toward would be my wife, who has stacks and stacks of resources to this end. Uh, this yeah. is something that she does really well, uh, and and so I think there are there are great opportunities for us as pastors to come alongside parents and say, "Let us disciple you in what it means to be discipling your children." Mm-hmm. That's something that I would I would love to do. I know that that you would love to do, mm-hmm. and it's it's part of maintaining the the call that we have been given mm-hmm. right that, that God has talked about it and that's that's sort of my highlight too like we said when we were talking about Deuteronomy 6 just how integrated the worship of God is into everything that we do so mm-hmm. much so that it, that being a Christian is not an element of me but it is who I am yeah right uh, I, I say all the time, you know, like if being a pastor is not what you do, it's who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's that's true for a pastor. But but first and foremost, being a follower of Christ mm. is not what I do. It's who I am. Yeah. And it just so happens that the role I play in that is the pastorate. Mm-hmm. But but for us to understand that that there is being a Christian is not something that someone can know about us. Mm-hmm. They cannot know us without knowing the love relationship we have with Jesus Christ and the commitment that we've made to follow him mm-hmm. above all else. Yeah. And, and wherever he would lead, we will go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think just the reminder inside of Deuteronomy chapter six that, that plays out, this is why the law uh, touches every point of their life 
is to remember you are a people of God. Your lives are worship, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Romans 12 tells us this. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by yeah. the renewal of your mind. Yeah. And, and that this is your spiritual act of worship. Yeah. A spiritual act of worship is that our minds are renewed and everything we do is saturated in the person and the plan of God. Yeah. People, we live in a time where, you know, a lot of people are really anxious and nervous about maybe, you know, what is being touted as the decline of the church in, a, in Western society and, and, and a shifting in the values of the culture around us. You know, what we need to do is just be faithful. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, that's what we need to do. Like, we don't need to complain. We don't need to protest. We don't need that is not that is not the answer. The answer is that we follow Christ with everything and we teach our children to do the same. Yeah. And that is living that countercultural lifestyle and not getting caught up chasing after the things that our culture is telling us to chase after. If we want our lives to and matter. And not reacting to those things. Yeah, yeah. But we, we stand steady. Mm-hmm. We plow ahead, mm-hmm. doing what we know we've been called to do. Yeah. Being the people we've called been called to be, come what may. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Allow the world around us to shift mm-hmm. with the ebbs and flows of time. Mm-hmm. We have an eternal hope that we are pressing toward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if people are worried about future generations, um, come talk to me. I need volunteers in youth ministry. Yeah. You want to make the, you want to you want to make sure the church doesn't crumble. That doesn't, you know, slip into irrelevancy. Then come help me disciple the next generation. I'd love to have you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker. Yeah. Have a good week. Take care, everybody.